0: Shalom, everybody. And I am so excited to be here to have a great conversation that we're going to continue from last week. That's my mission in life. When we come, we're we're just talking, and we're talking about the Lord. We're talking about how to walk with Him better. That's the whole point. We're talking about how to think better, how to push ourselves to be better, and the reason we want to push ourselves to be better is so that we can help somebody else, because we all need a lot of help. I know I need a lot of help. I need a lot, a lot, a lot of help. So let's pray. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and has commanded us to immerse ourselves in the words of the Torah. Amen. Amen. And I want. My topic is finding the real us. Will the real you stand up? Where is the real you? You're like, what's that? Well, I believe in our process of growing up, we learn ourselves more and more as we we grow up. Um, Here I have a process of growing up. The real you is found only as you get closer with him. I truly believe that we really only find ourselves as we learn and walk with the Messiah. Because as we learn and walk with Him, He's showing us who we really are. Because we really don't know. We know as much as we can, especially without Him. Imagine living this life, and we'll talk about that a little more later, but living this life, living this life without the Lord. That's tough. That's hard. I believe you're so much in the dark. You're trying to do this. Because I talk to people who are, in their mind, they say, I'm very spiritual, but I don't want to follow the Bible, I don't want to believe in all that God stuff and go to no religion, none of that stuff. Well, they're trying to be spiritual without a whole generation of people who came before them and learned from them. It's like you want to do this without trying to get help. That's crazy. It's kind of like me trying to go work on my car, and I don't want to ask for help from a mechanic that's sitting next to me. That would be really ignorant, okay? The mechanic is there, he's been doing this all of his life, and I'm just gonna go and try to figure it out by myself. No, that's why it's so important to learn from people who've done things before us. We learn from the rabbis, we learn from our mentors, we learn from people who've done things before us so that we can better ourselves. Because you don't have to figure it all out. Use your cheat sheet. We have cheat sheets all over the place. It's kind of like having an open note test, but you never use your notes. Now I'm good. I'm going to figure it out. Stop. Use the notes, okay? Use the notes. Read them. The notes are there for a reason to help you to understand it. The scripture is our notes, others around us, we're each other's notes. So that's the whole point. And this week, the Torah portion was mainly about our, one of my favorite figures in the scripture, who was what? Abraham. Abraham is awesome. And we get to learn about how Abraham grew up. Did Abraham make a lot of mistakes? Oh, yes. Did we make a lot of mistakes? Yes. And we, in the scripture, one thing we called it, I say we called it, but we describe it as his tests. And we talk about the 10 tests of Abraham. And there were more. I guarantee that. Those are just the 10 tests that we describe. Think about all the tests that you have in your life. Do you think it's more than 10? Yeah. Probably like 10,000. If we tried to go and define all of them, because all of us have certain tests. Did we pass the test or did we fail that test? And we can think back of tests that we failed. Some tests we passed. we like, yeah, I did pretty good at that one. Nope, failed that one. Don't want to do that again. Because if we don't learn from our mistakes, guess what? We're destined to repeat it. And I hate to say it's our own fault, but that's the whole point. You want to learn from your mess up so you can be better. So I want to talk about Abraham briefly. And then we're going to talk about finding the real us. And I want to read through his 10 tests. His first test, y'all remember his first test? It's a quiz. Anyway, the first test of Abraham was his call from his homeland. That's kind of all of our first tests. Because we have to leave from what we've known in the past. So we all have that same test. It's just come in a different face. Mine was... In Tallahassee, Florida, yours was wherever you you know you had your test. All of us have that test. The second test was the famine in Canaan. I've, I haven't had a famine in Canaan test, but I've had tests where um, low finances, a lot of low finances, a lot, a lot. Let me just put an, add a lot on that. And then you got to you got to learn how to pass those tests. Are they hard? Sure. Like I, I was talking about last week. It's easy to have faith when your cabinets are full. It's easy. I got a lot of faith. Man, I'm, I'm eating good. Money's flowing. But what happens when you just lose your job and everybody's talking about you? Your family comes against you. Are you going to have that same kind of faith? I don't know. That's tough. But that's, that's what we should learn from Abraham. So let's go another test. He had another test of the abduction of Sarah in Egypt. Did he pass or fail that test? Depends which rabbi you talk to, right? Or which one you talk about. I don't know. Um, the other test was the war with the four kings. He went to go save his, save his nephew, Lot. Are we loyal to people in that way? To go and help somebody out? You think we have tests of loyalty? Yes, all the time. People fail that test. And that one's a tough one. When someone betrays you who has been loyal to you for years. That's tough. And it's something that we should just learn from because we're trying to learn these things from Abraham to help better our lives so that we don't do make the same mistakes. The long wait for a son and his marriage to Hagar. I didn't have that test. The commandment of circumcision. I think about that test. I don't even know. Just imagine. It wasn't. He didn't just circumcise himself. He circumcised his family, the men, and his servants. You think they had to have a lot of faith in Abraham? Yeah. I can imagine my principal coming to me like, Hey, Mr. Farrell, we're going to do this. We're going to search. Like, no. No. No, we're not. I don't know what. So Abraham was a true man of faith. That's why he's the father of our faith. Because they had a lot of trust in him. A lot of trust in him. And his son, I I pray that I'm even a glimpse of Abraham. You know, his son, we'll get to that in a minute. But his son had the ultimate faith in his dad at the Akedah. Wow, what a relationship. I just, those are the things I look at when I'm I'm reading the scripture. I'm not looking at it as just these great stories that happened years ago. I want to look at how I can apply it to me now, today. And if we do that, I believe it will change our world. Because that's the whole point. The abduction of Sarah by Abimelech. That's this week. Did he fail? I think he failed the test again. It was the same type of test, wasn't it? He made the same, his son made the same mistake, didn't he? Later on. So maybe he didn't learn that test. He failed. I don't know. The exile of Hagar after she gave birth. Another test. Number nine, the exile of Ishmael. Did he make a wise decision? I don't know. I'm not here to judge Abraham. I am not here. But I just want to learn that he had a lot of tests. We had a lot of tests, too. And the last one, the, the, the ultimate test, was the sacrifice of Isaac. And that was huge. That was a big test. So, and again, I think we need to learn from Abraham and that we need to evaluate ourselves. Sometimes we need to go and have a meeting with ourselves. It may sound weird, but it's not, because you're the CEO of your life. You're the chief executive officer of you. And sometimes we've got to sit down and analyze where we are. With our relationships, how am I doing with relationships? Am I really arrogant? Is that tough to tell yourself you're arrogant? Sure, but maybe you are. Maybe, maybe I, maybe I cuss too much. Anybody cuss too much? Okay, no, don't raise your hand. No, no confession. All right, but you get the point. If you, we have to look at our lives. You want to look at your life from outside of your life, like somebody else is looking at you, because. Sometimes we can have, I like to call it, the um, I heard somebody say this, the lullaby effect. The lullaby effect, effect, what happens in a lullaby when you sing a lullaby to a child? Y'all heard a lullaby? Uh, you don't even hear the lyrics anymore. Because you've heard them over and over. You're not even paying attention. And sometimes we can get that way with scripture. It's like you read it, you know, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that who believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life you probably heard that so many times, you almost get numb to it. That's why sometimes you have to just stop and read, For God, let's just focus on For God. For God is the greatest being on this planet. Everywhere. We can just focus on that. Why is God so great? Okay, so now I want to go back to Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens. You see, you get the point? You can break a scripture apart. I can spend a day on one scripture. Because you take one word and it leads you over here and you go, oh, why did that say that? Then you go over here because, again, sometimes we can say our prayers and we can do these other things, but we don't sit down and just, just kind of like milk it. I like to call it the stare. I thought that was my term until I heard somebody say it, but I know somebody else got it. But sometimes you got to stare at whatever you know you need to do. You need to stare because when I say stare... You just want to milk it and look at it and say, God, what do you want to show me in this thing? How are you going to change me in this thing? What do I need to see out of this? And it's it's different for all of us. Because I can get up here and say whatever I'm saying, but everybody has so many different ways that you're going to understand the same thing that God is trying to show. And that's awesome to me. If the world you're seeing is not the world you want, you may need to relook at your presuppositions. Let me say that again. If the world you're seeing is not the world you want, you may need to look at your presuppositions. A presupposition is something that you're already thinking before you already get there. Because sometimes people are so frustrated and angry with life because they have a presupposition of anger. And they're just always getting angry at stuff. You know, you talk to somebody in a certain place, I thank God it's Friday. I'm not saying that's negative, but if you have a perception like, I'm so glad to get, I'm, I'm ready for this. It's like you're, you're herring up to get your life over with. We should wake up excited about life. I'm not saying we're always going to wake up excited about life, but God has so much to show and reveal to us. God wants us to be so excited about him. I was up early this morning at 6 doing my prayers. I'm so grateful for that. I'm grateful for that pattern because God has given us a pattern to live by. And if you can create your world, sometimes I'm going to veer off of that pattern, right? It's like you want to create these boundaries, and this is kind of off topic. I do that a lot; can't help it. But I guess I can't help it. <laughs> but well, one boundary that I have created in my life is a boundary, and most of us have here is a boundary of prayer. So every day, I have certain time that I pray. That's my goal. Six, when I wake up, 6 o'clock. If I wake up before that, 4.30. So every day, do, every day do I pray? Nah, no. Nobody's going to sit here. At least some will sit here and lie to you. I am not. But that's my boundary. You see what I'm talking about? You've got to create your world. That's why you've got to sit down and have a conversation with yourself. Maybe say, you know what? I need to be more healthy. Okay. So I'm going to create that boundary of health. So I need to do A, B, and C. You wrote this out. Do you think you're going to follow that plan to the T all the time? No, we're not. Okay, we're going to do our best. But you created a boundary just like you're creating your world. And if you create your world, God's going to help you to, to move and maneuver in that direction. But you have to do it. You, gotta, you can't just sit back and wait. Nothing just happens. You can't just sit back, oh, God's just going to help. No, you've got to get off your, your, your tukish. You're you're behind and you got to maybe write something down if you want to change. Because change only happens when we do something. You have to do something to change. If you keep doing this, that was that lullaby effect I was talking about. If we just keep doing the same thing, same routine, over and over, and then you're complaining about you not changing, why are you talking? You're just talking. You have to actively do something to change. So. I wanted to talk about a lot. And on my there's no slides. Who needs slides? I want to talk about the Amidah. The Amidah is one of the prayers that we learn from the rabbis. And I love the Amidah. And I want to just talk about it briefly because it's it's so important. So just just talking about those different things that we do daily this is something that I do every day at least I try to sometimes I veer off but I think it 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 sets a place in your mind in order to help you to go in a certain direction and you have to set your mind every day because if you don't set your mind some of us will wake up the first thing we pick up is the phone to look on Facebook don't lie come on don't anyway right some of us do nobody in here Okay, somebody else, I don't know where they are, as Rabbi Renee said, they're in Mars or something, right? I don't know. They're in another place. But the point is, we have to set our minds. And I try to read the Amidah every day. And there's so much, there's so wealth of knowledge in the Amidah. I'm going to read parts of it because there's such, such a wealth of, of knowledge in there. Because that's how we can find the real us. Because the real us is connected to God. Because we really don't know ourselves. We only know ourselves as we start drawing near to God. That's why it's so important to have a relationship with Him. Because we think we know ourselves, but we really don't. I just think we get a little better, a little closer as we begin to know Him. So I want to talk about the beauty of the Amidah. I want to talk, do a little history. I'll read this. I got this from an internet site that I forgot the name of. Sorry. Origins of the daily prayer service. By the Talmudic period, the institution of praying three times a day was an assumed part of Jewish life. That was just something that was just part of the life. And see, that's, that's what we need to get to. It should be assumed in my life that I have a prayer schedule. It shouldn't even be a question, if you're a believer. You need to have a time that you pray every day, a set time, even a set place. I have a set place that I pray. That I, pray. I almost feel like I can go in there and touch the prayer, because I pray and that's like my space. It's my prayer space. I feel if somebody else comes in there, they're going to know Terry has been in here praying because I want that residue of prayer to be so embedded in that. And I think that's how embedded it should be. Let me get back to this. The missionary records that there are three daily prayers, each connected to a particular time of day. And I know I have, I have family. I have some that are, don't want to have anything to do with Jewishness because they just don't think it's Christian. They think it's so disconnected. And I, I try to share that it's it's really almost the same. We just get to we have a lot of um, a lot of things we can learn from Jewish people and their Jewish way of life. Why would I not learn it? They have a lot of preset prayers that they have that are beautiful. You can go and create it yourself, but why? They have all this source of knowledge that I want to use, and that's why I want to use it. And I brought this. Um, Daphne probably gave me this for a reason. We'll talk about that later. Uh, this is a book called "Praying: The Power of a Praying Husband by Stormy O'Martin. Anybody heard this book? It's awesome. It's, it's a beautiful book. But this book, and I brought this to show that this book has a lot of pre-done, preset prayers. Did you just read it? I don't have to think about it. I go to the, to the side that talks about relationships. I need help in relationships. So I'm going to read this prayer to help me to develop in my relationships. The Jews have already done this. That's why the Amidah is so... Beautiful and we'll read that in a minute. Right. The Babylonian Talmud also declares that men should pray three times a day and a famous dispute emerges about the origins of the practice. Rabbi Yossi bar Rabbi Hanina says that the weekday prayers were instituted by the patriarch Shakarit. Shakarit, which is a morning prayer by Abraham, the Mincha by Isaac, which is the evening, and the Marv by Jacob, which was like, is like the evening prayer. That's just the Hebrew name for it, which is good to learn. I, I love learning that. But the whole point is I'm just trying to draw near to him. It's not about me learning Hebrew and acting like I'm something I'm not. It's about learning how to draw near to him. It's, and this right here is where they get their scriptural basis from. It um, says, it's an oasis of spiritual time and a tough work day, a moment of calm and a focus on priorities, the rabbis of the Talmud deduced the role of Isaac in creating Minka from the verse in the Torah that tells us that Isaac went out to converse in the field. So that's where they're getting their scriptural basis from. That, that's cool. Um, converse with you, and it says converse with who? The Torah itself is silent on the subject. The rabbis are of the opinion that the conversation was between Isaac and Jacob. I'll read this down here. In opposition, Rabbi Joshua ben Levi cites Rabbi Hanini, Hanina who says that the three daily prayers were instituted in accordance with the daily sacrifices, the temple period. The shakari corresponds to the morning offering, the minka corresponds to the afternoon offering, and the maraf corresponds to an offering made on the evening. And musaf, which is an additional offering, corresponds to an offering brought on certain special occasions. Though a consensus was never reached, Rabbinic authorities agree that three daily prayers are the base requirement of Jewish daily prayer. And I read all that just to show that there are disagreements even in, in the rabbinical you know, area. There's always disagreements. That's okay. The whole point is prayer. Another something that I do for prayer every day, I have a certain thing that I pray for. And again, you're just setting up your life. On Monday, I pray for finances. Specifically, that's just what I do. I just I go and I read scriptures on finances and I focus on that. On Tuesday, I pray for our nation. On Wednesday and Thursday, I pray for my family. I pray for Daphne's family, specifically. On Friday, I pray for my personal family. I pray for Daphne. I pray for Jordan, Matthew, Caleb, and Aaron, and my grandbabies. Sounds weird saying grandbabies. Grandbaby. Go grandparents. Any other grandparents? Grandparents, yes. That's awesome. And on Saturday, Shabbat, I normally pray for our rabbis. I pray for all of our leadership, everybody in leadership. I pray for the service here. I pray for as much as I can. And on Sunday, I pray for everybody at my school, my work. So I focus that on my prayer. But you see what I'm doing? I'm trying to set my life up for success. See, if we can set our lives up, we can find the real us. Because what sometimes we happen, we're just kind of all over the place. We just wake up and do whatever. But, okay, if you do whatever, whatever's going to happen. Don't be surprised. But if I wake up and say, you know what? I'm going to pray for my cousin who's in prison today. I'm going to pray that God's going to bless his life, that God's going to change. See, God puts us in relationship with people so that you can pray for them, so that you can confront them, so that you can love on them. That's why you're your relationship, that's why you got... A cousin that gets on your nerves that you know you got to stay connected with. Y'all thinking of that cousin right now, right? Come on, anyway. Might even be brother. Maybe a sister. It might be a parent. Okay, I won't even look at anybody when I say that. Okay? But that's just being real. Because sometimes people get on your nerves. And that's not being negative. It's just being real. And that's when you need to go to God and say, God, what, do I, what am I to do in this situation? How am I to pray for them? How am I to avoid them? Some people are in your life and you need to avoid them because they will mess you up. Can I just... Okay, I'm going to go there for a minute. Okay? Family members. Sometimes we have dads. maybe, Maybe you grew up without a father. And I say grew up without a father. Daphne, she grew up not knowing her father until later on. And she finally met him and she did a pilgrimage to get to learn who he was. Well, just to be honest... He would have messed her up and she knows that because he was, ain't no was, he is. We got some stuff. I've never met him. Okay, There's just a lot of issues that are going on. Some people will mess you up even if they're your dad or your mom or your whoever. And that's why you have to have enough. And as a child, you don't know this because you're a child. right? Nobody knows, nobody asks to be born into a certain family, into a certain household. But you have to have enough, I say have to, when you get old enough to have enough spiritual perception about yourself, then you begin to see things for yourself and get to begin to avoid people. And you learn how to just pray for them. So guess what? We pray for him. We specifically pray for him for help, and he's going to get better. I know one day, but at, at the state he's in now, we, he can't be in our lives at the moment. And there's some people that are that way, and you need to be that real. Unless you're going to be naive enough and allow somebody to come in your life and mess you up. I'm just being honest. Okay, since we're here, got a little story. There's a guy, a little kid named Ray. What's his name? His name is Ray. Last name Lewis. When he was 10 years old, his mother, single mom, growing up with his mom, and his mother had a lot of boyfriends, like boyfriends in and out. He saw a lot of guys come in. Just think about a 10-year-old little boy. His name is Ray. He's seeing these guys come in. They're there for a while they're gone, some are good to the mom, some are not so good. Some of them come in there and they just, they think they're Ali on the mom, literally just beating her down. So she keeps having these bad relationships and she keeps inviting these and he's just, what do you think is going on in this 10 year old mind? He's getting a lot of anger. He is loaded with anger. And in the the story that he tells, I'm trying to tell his story, um, in the story he tells, he asked his mom, for a deck of cards. Some of y'all may have heard this story. Anybody heard this story? Okay, great. Good. Anyway, so anyway, he asked his mom for a deck of cards. At 10, he said he would take out a two of clubs. He would do two push-ups. He'd take out a four clubs or four diamond. He'd do four push-ups. He'd take out a queen. He'd do like 10. he took take out an ace. That was like 30. You get the point? What he learned was, I need to work out because I am too weak to fight these guys off my mom. So he started working out and got strong enough to protect his mom. His name is Ray Lewis. He's an NFL football player, the Baltimore Ravens. But he tells that story about why he, why he started to work out. It wasn't about NFL. It was about him figuring out life. He said, you know what? Nobody will ever put their hands on my mom. Well, the bigger, the bigger issue probably was his mom is picking the wrong guys. And his mom had other relationship issues herself, right? That's probably the bigger issue. But for a 10-year-old, all you see is somebody coming there beating up on your mom. You want to, and some people handle that a different way. He could have handled it and found a gun and tried to go after the guys or whatever and try, and ended up in jail. Did that happen? Yes. That happens all the time. So, in some. sometimes we just have to learn how to, and I say sometimes, and this is the process of all of us growing up. I'm 47 years old. I'm not grown up yet. I'm still working on it. I'm a little closer, hopefully. I'm trying to get better. I'm learning. I'm developing. But if we have that mindset of, I'm, I'm working this out. I'm trying to figure this out. And that's how we can help the next generation. Because those that are 19, 19, 20, 5, guess what? 17, they need a lot of help. They're just as confused as we were at that age, because I know I was confused. I had a lot of questions. I still have a lot of questions, but I think we need to go through this process. And I want to read a little bit of the Amidah, just to show you how beautiful it is. And, and again, this is just setting the tone in your life. And, if you, and again, if you set the tone in your life, you're setting yourself up for success. It's kind of like, if you, when we came in this morning, this building was cold. What do I need to do to the temperature? I need to set it. I need to set it to something to make it warmer. Does it get warm immediately? Unless you got some serious heat going on here. That must be a great... Anyway, it's going to take some time. But if you set your life up for success by putting things in place, and the things you're putting in place, you're putting in place a routine. You put a routine of prayer. You put a routine of being on time. Oh yeah, I'm picking on y'all anyway. All right. A lot of y'all are on time. Anyway, I'm just, sorry, I didn't mean to do that. It just came out. But, but we're all creating a routine of doing things. And we're developing in something every day. That's why sometimes in class I have students that come in, every day to come in and sit down. They come in and they lay down. They're creating a habit of lay down right? They are a developed lay down when they come in to that class and all of us are developed in something. That's why you got to sit down and have a conversation with yourself and say what do I need to change about me? How do I need to change it? And then set your life up whatever that is. So one way I set my life up I tell you we talked about prayer and then I want to read a little bit of the Amidah just to show you how beautiful it is because I just love it and then we'll move on. Blessed are you, Lord, are, the, first, the first part of the Amidah, it says, O oh Lord, open my lips that my mouth may tell forth your praise. Think about that. Oh Lord, open my lips that my mouth may tell forth your praise. So we're asking God to open my mouth to say what he wants me to say. See, we need that every day because sometimes we open up mouth and we want to not say what we just said. Like, why did I say that? That was just dumb. And you want to just go and take it back. You said it. You ever did, said something like that? And you want to just try to grab it like, oh, can I get those words back? No, you can't. They're out there. And sometimes the words that you said, maybe because in your anger and your frustration, now you've hurt somebody. And that hurt may stay with them for the next five years. Because they don't know how to get it off of them. But you were angry and you had a bad day. And now you took it out on them. And now they got to deal with that hurt. And we do that to family members, and family members, I think, are the most vulnerable, because people who are you're supposed to love, we have like this, we have a connection with them that almost can be um, really not healthy. I think back of the story when you remember the story when um, the Messiah was he was preaching, he was teaching, and his family came to him and said, "We need to see you outside." Y'all remember that story? He said, we need Jesus, please come outside. And know what he said? He said, who is my mother? Who is my father but those who do the will of God? Well, I believe what was going on, at least I think in that story, without going there, God was setting a precedent. Maybe his family, I'm not sure their motive, but maybe their motive wasn't good to come and have a conversation with them at that time because he was busy doing things. He was preaching, he was ministering. Sometimes our family members, those who are closest with us, have motives that are not good. Sometimes people are jealous of you. Sometimes people are whatever of you. But we have to learn how to be spiritually perceptive enough to know I need to avoid that situation. I need to pray for them because I don't need them to mess me up. Right, let me get back to Amidah. I'm off topic again. Blessed are you, Lord our God, and God of our fathers, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob. The great, mighty, and awesome God, the most high God, who bestows steadfast love and goodness, and is master of all, and remembers the good deeds of the fathers, and will in love bring a redeemer to the children for the sake of his name. O king, helper, savior, and shield, blessed are you, O Lord, shield of Abraham. Think about all the times, let me read this little part. He says, O king, helper, savior. What are we being saved from? I'm going to read 1 Peter two nine. I can just quote it, but I'm just going to read it. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. This is a peculiar people. This is um, King James. But God's special people, that you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. See, God has called us out of darkness, all of us. And the darkness is separated from God. See, that's so beautiful to me. And that's the whole point. Our job... Is agents of our Lord and Savior, is to call others out of darkness. And if you go through the Amidah, that's what it's talking about all through it. It's talking about salvation, salvation. Whenever they salvation save, they're talking about calling people out of darkness. That's our job. That's our mission in life. One of them. Let me read another one. Number two it says, "You are mighty forever, O Lord. You bring the to life the dead." What are they talking about? They're talking about salvation. You are mighty to save. You sustain the living with steadfast love. You bring the dead to life with great mercy. You support all who fall and heal the sick. You free the captives and are faithful to those who sleep in the dust. Who is like you, Lord of might? Who can be compared to you, O king? You cause death and cause life, and you make your salvation flourish. Yes, you are faithful to bring the dead to life. Blessed are you, O Lord, who raises the dead. See, and if you read this every day, it does something to your brain. It's making you think every moment, my job is to call people from dead to life. I'm not doing it. I'm just an agent. I'm just here to connect people as much as I can. Maybe I'm just there to be a smile. Maybe you're just there to handshake somebody. Maybe it's just some dap. What's up? Bam. But maybe that dap, and this happens all, and I say this all the time, but it happens a lot. Sometimes I'll speak to a student in the hall, literally I'm just, I don't even know who they are, I might say, hey, nice shirt. I just made a friend. And now they're going to come and talk to me like almost every day because now I just said you got a nice shirt. Sometimes I think, I think we need sometimes so little encouragement. You know, and that's why it's our job to encourage people when we can. Because when we do that, we connect them to us. And if we connect them to us, we're connecting them to the source. Because that's the whole point. Let me read a little more i read the, I said Sheba. And I'm focusing on the salvation. It says, look at us, please. Answer us and defend our cause. Redeem us quickly for the sake of your name. For you are a strong redeemer. Blessed are you, O Lord, redeemer of Israel. That's what God is doing for us. Let's do one more. Shemone Esrim. That's 18. I'm learning my Hebrew. Trying. We thank you, for you, O Lord, our God, are our Father's God for all eternity, our Rock, our Shield that saves through every generation. So guess what? Does every generation have to go through this? Yeah, it's not new to us. This has been happening since Mount Sinai. Since so they had to do the same thing with their children, and the next generation with their children. This is our job. This is our mantle. It's like we don't want to. You you know in a race, you got a relay race. And they're, they're passing the baton and the next one takes it and they run. We don't want to drop the baton because it's our job to grab that baton and keep some of us dropped it. Matter of fact, somebody didn't look for it. Like, what's the baton? I ain't even trying to look for it. See, but see, our job is not to drop the baton. Our job is to. And sometimes it's not about you saying anything. It might just be about you following the Torah. Maybe it's just about you keeping Shabbat. I don't have to say anything. Because sometimes I might have a conversation. Somebody will come and ask me, why don't you come to our Friday football game? Well, every Friday, my family, we have a family meeting and we talk about the Lord every Friday. Hey, that was a great opportunity now to connect them to Messiah. Right? We just have to think of it that way. It's like you're looking for opportunities to be a blessing to people. And that's how we find the true us. We do that. We should do this all the time that's our mission. I'm keep reading. We trust our lives into your loving hand. We are always in your keeping. Your wonders and miracles are with us daily. Daily. Listen to this. Evening, morning, noon. That's the Shakarit, Minka and Mar prayer. That's the set prayer that we should at least that's the pattern we have. Can you pray more than 3 times a day? Sure. But is it good to have a base? Yes. Cuz you need a standard to at least to go back and fall on. Maybe you're having a really bad day. Maybe you're having a really bad week. And the only thing you could do is just say, God, I just thank you for waking me up. Okay, at least, you, at least you're getting back to something. It's like you're going back to that pattern. It's like you've got to trust the process. And first, we've got to have a process to trust. And that's a good analogy with football teams. I, I coached basketball. It's been years ago. Um, I was a freshman basketball coach. But you'd have certain plays. And one thing you always focus on is, dude, Trust the process. We got a plan. Stop trying to go out there and do it on your own. Because guess what happens when you do it on your own? You mess it up. You think you're all that in a bag of chips and now we just lost the game because you're doing something you shouldn't be doing. See that's why we have to create processes in our lives to set ourselves up for success. And whatever that is, everybody's gonna be different. Your process is gonna be a little different than mine. But we have to be, that's how we find the true us. So when I say, how do you find yourself? You find yourself by getting closer to Messiah. But you need to do something. You need to set yourself up success by putting things in place so that you can follow those things. Amen. Let me keep going. We are always, I read that. O you who are all good, whose mercies never fail us. Compassionate one, whose faithful love never ceases. We ever hope in you. Amen. And That's just a little snippet. I just want to read a little bit of the Amidah to hopefully encourage everybody. If you're not doing your daily prayers, set yourself up for success because we shouldn't. This should not just be a show. It's not a show for me. This is my life. I need to study and know the scripture. I'm not reading it and memorizing it so that I can get up here and show you all I know the scripture. I don't care about that. I'm just going to be very frank and honest with you. I could care less about that. I need the scripture when I'm frustrated riding down the highway. When I'm getting ready to cut somebody out because I'm really angry at them because they said something they shouldn't have said. That's when I need to know how to go inside and say, God, what do I need to cast all your cares on him for he cares for me. I need to know, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sin, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight... Is in the law of the Lord, Amen. And, if, and if you meditate on it and make it a part of who you are, that's only when it's going to change you. If not, you just playing games. You just come in here to get a little feel. I like to call them feel good message. I feel good today. Yes, Amen. Say it again, brother. Say it one more time. Yeah, yeah. But but if you ain't if you're not implementing it in your life, you just playing games. You just being fake, and that's that bugs me to know. I got to work on that myself. Right? You have to I say have to, but when you begin to make it so real to you that it it frustrates you. It frustrates me when I, you know, people just make a game out of religion. It frustrates me to no end because I know that it has changed my life completely. I know that. And All right, I want to talk about some mindsets in 10 minutes. I have a lot to cover, that's why I'm pausing. All of us go through the growing up process, and we talked about the life of Abraham, about how he was growing up with his 10 tests of faith. We talked about how all of us have different tests of faith. And I wanted to show you a little glimpse into my good, bad, and ugly to show you where I came from. Don't be afraid. and I want to show you this because I believe that anybody can change and I believe some of us say and we think we say that but we really don't believe that sometimes we just say it and and I say that because maybe our because your actions reveal who you really are if they do we'll say I believe anybody can change but maybe we don't We don't go through the process of helping somebody out. And let me talk about these mindsets. The first one is resilient mindset. Resilient means I believe that everybody can change, period. And everybody's going to say, oh, I have a resilient mindset. And I believe everybody will say that, but I don't think everybody has a resilient mindset. And it just depends on the situation. Maybe you don't have a resilient mindset when it comes to your health. Or maybe a resilient mindset when it comes to a disease that you have, that you've had for a long time and maybe you've almost given up on it. Because you say, you know what, I can't possibly be healed from that because that's just my lot in life. Y'all see what I'm getting at? Because even though you say it, you might not really say it. Alright, I got another one. Social Democratic mindset. This is something that creates boundaries and walls in our lives. A social democratic, think about opinion polls. Think about talk shows. Think about somebody makes a statement And everybody in the audience claps. Yes. Amen. And maybe you're going to agree with them because everybody is on that. I like to call it bandwagon. Since everybody's doing it, then I'm going to do this. I see this all the time. It's like we don't know how to be resilient enough to know the truth. And I'll just go with the crowd. And that's very dangerous to go with the crowd. Because you may be the only one in that room that's saying the right thing. And you need to know that. We need to be willing enough to stand by ourselves. We need to be that strong. And I think that's what we're doing when we come, I say we come when you're learning from the Lord. So as you get closer to him, you're developing a resilient mindset. We gotta try to stay away from a social democratic mindset, which means I'm looking for the popular opinion. That's very dangerous, so be aware of that. The next one is research and education mindset. We think that is. Research and education. If I see a research study that says that this is right, then I'm going to believe it. Is that good? It could be very dangerous. Why is that dangerous? I see, I read research, sometimes both sides have very strong opinions and a lot of compelling evidence and they're completely opposite. Amen. Do we see that all the time? Yeah, you see that all the time. That's why you don't want to have only a research and education mindset because that could be, it could be so dangerous. We need to have a resilient mindset and say, you know what? I'm going to focus on what God said no matter what, period. All right, the fourth one is an evolutionary mindset. In four minutes. It's always been that way, so it's just going to always be that way and we don't even think to change because we just think it's always going to be that way. It's kind of like, I like to use education because that's what I do, educator. At least I try, I do my best. Um, But I like to think of somebody who's been labeled a slow learner. Maybe you've been labeled informally a slow learner in the fifth grade. So in your mind, you just think you're a slow learner. Everybody around you think you're slow. You just—that's a slow kid. That's just who he is. Everybody, should you accept that mindset? No, you shouldn't. Is it hard to overcome that? Sure, it is. If everybody's telling you you're a slow learner, you know he's just slow. But it could work on the other side. It could work on the other side that you are this. Everybody tells you you're Mr. Intelligent. You're a genius. Do you think there's a wall could come up there because you're a genius? To me, like I don't know how wall. Maybe you think you're so smart that you don't even try to work hard at anything anymore. Because I just got it. I don't have to work hard. I see that all the time. You tell somebody that they got their genius. I never do that now. Never. Ooh, he's a genius. Don't do that to kids. Because what you do is you set them up for failure. Because now when they get to something that's a little difficult, they go, I shouldn't have to work for it. So they might just quit. I ain't got to work for that. I'm good. I'm good. Matter of fact, they'll stop. And I've seen it. Sometimes they'll stop even responding to things in class because they don't want to appear to be the dumb kid. Y'all see what I'm talking about? It's those boundaries that we place on people, but don't let anybody place that on you. We got to keep a resilient mindset, which means I know I can change no matter what. Don't put no walls on me. Period. And and I called it evolutionary mindset because if you go back and look at the history, and I don't have time to do the history now, it comes, it goes all the way back, y'all heard of Karl Marx? You heard of Karl Marx? Heard of Herbert Spencer? You heard of Charles Darwin? Everybody's heard of Charles Darwin. We've created, and I'm not saying all of it's, all of their writing is negative, a lot of it is, but we have to learn how to weed through it. And Charles Darwin, and we all know this, maybe we all know this, his book is called the On the Origin of Species, On the on the origin of species by means of natural selection. Most people know that topic. We've heard that. That's the whole um, evolutionary thing. But the rest of the the rest of the, um, title, most of us, we leave this out of the biology textbooks. I have a lot of conversations with biology teachers about this. Why they keep leaving it out? I know why. But the rest of it says, or the preservation of the favored races. Did y'all know that? Let me read that again. It says, origin of species by means of natural selection, or the preservation of the favored races races. He was a, he was a big racist. A big racist. And imagine, I'm so grateful I didn't grow up during this time, but imagine if you're growing up in the 60s and everybody tells you that you're a second class citizen. That you're a nothing. They don't have to say it, but you just know because of your environment all over the place. Like I got a, I can only drink from this colored water fountain. I can only do this. No, you can't vote. You're nothing. They didn't say you were nothing, but they're not allowing you to do this. that makes sense? So what that does, it creates a mindset in you that's going to just change your world if you allow it to. But there's so many people, and we've transcended above those ridiculous mindsets. And that's why we have, even now today, in our world right now, people will try to put boundaries on us, but don't let anybody put a boundary on you. We need to keep a resilient mindset because we got to stay with God because if not, it'll mess you up and it'll cause you to just be stuck behind that wall. So, amen? We need like at least another five hours. But, um, got the, I know. But this is good. And again, just to sum it up, we're trying to figure out, we want to learn who we are and I believe if we set these boundaries in our lives for prayer, we set boundaries in our life to focus on His Word. And as we draw near to God and come closer to Him, God is showing us our real self. And we need to do that every single day. And we'll get better at it. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I love you so much. And I am so grateful for an opportunity to share. Lord, I just pray that each person here will just draw near to you more so that they can walk with you better and just, and just find out who they really are in you. Lord, so that you can help them to be a blessing to somebody else and a blessing to themselves. And I give you praise for everything you're going to do. In Yeshua's name, amen.